Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company, and now I'm sharing the same systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. Welcome to episode 265. Today, I'm eager to chat about the importance of staying consistent with your jewelry marketing. I've noticed that around this time of year, a lot of the sparklers out there maybe you, really start to feel the pressure of the holiday season and then get this urge to switch things up drastically in an effort to make a splash. But let me tell you, now is not the time to ditch what's been working for you out of anxiety or fear. This holiday frenzy is just no excuse to toss your marketing plan out the window And really, it's never completely wise to just overhaul your strategy on a whim. Whether it's the way you talk about your products, how often you reach out to customers, the look and feel of your online store, or even the style of your product and social media photos, these things should stay steady. And speaking of photos, (laughs) as a segue to another thing we'll be talking about today, I've heard from quite a few of you asking about Hilary Fink's secret sauce for jewelry photography. And if you've seen it, you know that she nails it with her unwavering consistency. You can see that at her Instagram, Hilary Fink Jewelry. And there you'll also see her signature style shining through. It's so distinct that her posts often get tons of shares and likes. And bringing it back, that's the power of keeping a consistent vibe in your brand, in your visuals, in all the communications that you have with your customers. It's all about making your brand stand out even though something as simple as photos and videos that are sharing a common thread. So as you probably have guessed, we'll be looking at this topic through the lens of Hillary Fink Jewelry, who we've been spotlighting as a jewelry brand case study. And if you're joining this podcast series for the first time this season, I'd really recommend starting with episode 252. That way you can meet Hillary and find out how we've been building on her narrative since then. But before we jump into our chat with Hillary, I want to touch on why sticking to your game plan is super crucial during the holidays. So I'll walk you through how to embrace and stick to your consistent practices right now when it counts the most. Plus, I'll be sharing some tips on how you can fine-tune your approach for the upcoming year by getting a head start on planning this year. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can always support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, my sparklers, let's get into today's episode. This one is all about leaning into 
to consistency during the holiday season and then what you can do after the holidays to assess what consistency really means to your jewelry brand and then make changes, evolve your brand in strategic ways. First of all, I want to talk about why is sticking to your game plan so super crucial during this time of year in Q4? There are a number of reasons. Let's run through them really quick. First and foremost, brand recognition. It's one of the more obvious ones, but I think it needs a reminder because as jewelry business owners, a lot of times you know, we're in a bubble of this industry, we kind of forget how consumers realistically purchase and the behavior they have at this time of year. So the holidays, it's just a cluttered marketplace. Every single brand out there is vying for attention. And when you have consistency in marketing, that helps you establish and maintain recognition for your brand. So when consumers are familiar with what you're putting out there. They're comfortable with it. They know what to look for. They're way more likely to remember it when there's all this noise happening and be more likely to make a purchase. In actuality, your fans, the people who already love your brand, they're probably already looking out for your social posts, for your emails, for all the communication that you're putting out there. And if you suddenly decide to abandon consistency and change things up because you think your business needs that at that t- this time of year, your fans might actually miss your communications. They may not even notice them because when they're like sifting through their Instagram feed or scrolling through or they're sifting through their inbox, they're just being bombarded with literally thousands of marketing messages at this time of year. If something does not immediately resonate with them on like a subconscious level, they might not even realize it's you or ignore it or just not pay attention to it. So don't confuse your customers because confusion ultimately erodes trust. Also, consistency during the holidays means message reinforcement. You've probably heard some version of what's called the rule of seven. So it often takes multiple exposures to a marketing message before a consumer takes action. And that rule of seven is this decades-old idea in marketing that suggests consumers need to interact with a brand or product seven times before they're ready to make a purchase. I think there's even more recent research that says that that number of interactions keeps growing the more we're bombarded with digital messaging. So again, if you're not consistent, if you're not regularly communicating with your customers in a way also that's consistent, that person that may have thought about buying your product once or twice, they may not ultimately buy because they have not had enough engagements or interactions with your brand. So consistency helps reinforce your message, making it more likely that customers will convert during this critical holiday season. Consistency also really helps with business efficiency or operational efficiency. And I love 
nothing more than efficiency. I hope you do too. Do you want to make your life easier? Well, when you're sticking to a well-oiled marketing strategy, that can be more efficient than deciding you're going to overhaul everything during one of the busiest times of year when you're already too busy with everything else involved, not only in running your business, but probably in your personal life as well. And consistency helps you optimize and streamline your processes and ensure that you, and if you have team members, then your team members also are working effectively. And then another thing consistency helps with is performance analysis. So if you can be consistent, it's way easier to track which strategies are working and which ones are not working because then you have established metrics for comparison. If you're frequently making changes and just doing things by the seat of your pants, that will really muddy the waters and you will have no clue what's working. You won't have any way to measure your success and you won't know what to do next year. So you will just be in this perpetual cycle of guessing and throwing darts at the wall. And that is no way to run a business. So how do you really embrace and stick to consistent practices right now at this time of year when it counts the most? I would say it boils down to committing to what is already working for you. Even if that thing may not be at its full potential that you envision, even if it's not like a wild success, there has to be something that's working for your business, even in a small way. And I want you to invest more effort into it as much as you can. So success here is all about being proactive, staying orderly, because consistency will fall apart if you're always rushing and trying to catch up at the last minute. So planning is key here. I've mentioned on the podcast before how sometimes we get the itch to change things just for the sake of change, especially us business owners and marketers who, since we are on the inside, we grow tired of our own marketing before our customers do. But just because you're over it does not mean that your customers are over it. In fact, they benefit from consistent messaging. And the longer you stick with a singular message or theme, the more it pays off as customers really get to know your brand. I even want to say from my own experience as a shopper, I often find myself making lists of things I need or want to buy because if a brand that I'm interested in doesn't keep in touch or stay in like my, where I can see them, I will completely forget about them. Even if it's something I need, like a new dish soap for my kitchen, that's just how it is for me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way with all the advertising we see every day and the daily to-dos that crowd our mind from planning dinner to remembering to pay bills, it's easy to let things slip and forget about things we need or want to buy. And can you imagine how much that ramps up at this time of year for the average consumer who's trying to deal with family pl uh, planning situations for holiday gatherings, 
you got to make Thanksgiving dinner. You got to buy presents for the kids. You got to like coordinate with grandma. All the things. People are busy. You need to be consistent and communicate with them regularly or they will forget about you nor not think about you at all. And I am also a firm believer that consistency trumps perfection. So of course, every brand has room for improvement. Even the largest, most renowned brand names are continually refining their approach. And it's not a failure to want to change things, but the real misstep is not maintaining consistency in what you're currently doing. So let this be a little motivational nudge to hold steady through the end of the year, especially when the holiday season pressures are mounting. So let's now talk about the practical ways that you can maintain consistency as this year wraps up. One, you want to reiterate your brand's core values and messages across all platforms that you're using. So this is the time to remind your customers why they love your brand and what you stand for, not the time to introduce unfamiliar concepts to them. Two, double down on that customer experience that you've been known for, whether that's excellent customer service, fast shipping, beautiful packaging, or personalized notes. Three, utilize those marketing channels where you have a proven track record, like your email list or your social media platforms. Number four, highlight your most popular items. You know what those bestsellers are. You know what people love the most rather than pushing new or untested products. Customers will tend to gravitate toward the familiar, especially when they're buying gifts for other people. And number five, keep your visual branding consistent. So this includes your logo, color scheme, typography, and imagery. Consistency here really helps with brand recall and reinforces a professional image. Some bonus ones too. You could consider making seasonal adjustments that align with your brand. So for instance, you can be consistent, but maybe incorporate some holiday themes into your marketing materials in a way that jives with your established aesthetic and messaging. And of course, keep an eye on your campaign performances and customer feedback as you move through the rest of the year. And then if you have to make small data-driven adjustments where necessary, but again, keep that all within the framework of consistency in your established practices. And by sticking to these things, you can really capitalize on the familiarity and trust that you've built with customers throughout the year, making them feel secure and special during the holiday rush rather than risking your relationships with them by throwing unproven tactics at them. So I imagine you don't even want to be thinking about 2024 because you're just trying to get through the rest of the year, but now's a great time to fine-tune your approach for the upcoming year by getting a head start on planning which will help you with consistency. I would say if you are getting this urge to overhaul your marketing during the holiday rush and pay attention to that, like do you really feel that in your soul that you just wanna blow everything up and make a change? If you feel that, I would say chances are 
The issue is not, I repeat, is not with your marketing. It's not something that just popped up because it's the festive season either. It's probably a challenge that's been there all along, one that should have been addressed and fine-tuned months before the holidays. So by, by the time Q4 rolls around, you're ready to tackle it. Lately, I've noticed that a lot of issues that business owners attribute to marketing, as I just said, it may not be your marketing. So what is it? Not about marketing. They're more likely tied to other aspects of the business, like maybe they are production glitches, maybe there are staffing concerns, maybe it's the result of poor planning, maybe it's a misunderstanding of customer needs and desires, maybe it's just a complete lack of fundamental business strategy. There are so many other reasons besides marketing that you're getting to this place of panic in Q4 that your marketing is not working. So when you are planning for 2024, here are some things you can do. First, reflect on the past year. You wanna grab a cup of coffee or whatever you like to drink, sit down with last year's numbers, with your notes, with customer feedback, with just your own reflections. What worked like a charm? What didn't work? as much as you'd hoped it would work, and use these insights to give you new ideas and guide your plan. Also, make sure you are collecting customer feedback if you're not already. So what are people raving about? Where, What's not landing with them that you thought would really dazzle them? And that will help you make more customer-focused decisions. Analyze your marketing efforts. So which campaigns really seem to make your brand shine bright and got the best responses, the best clicks, the most website traffic. Again, which which ones didn't perform to your expectations? So you wanna take those insights and apply them to the new year. Also look at your inventory. What pieces sell quickly? Which are the product categories that get the most traffic on your website? Which ones are you maybe attached to, but don't seem to move inventory? So align that inventory and sales data to make sure you're really investing in the right products. It's also a great time to think about a tech tune-up. So if you sell on e-commerce, technology is really like a silent salesperson for you. So you want to make sure your website and other tech tools are user-friendly and up-to-date. And the smoother that shopping experience, the happier your customer will be. That's just the beginning. Like I pointed out earlier, your obstacles might not stem from marketing at all. If you suspect that marketing is where your issues lie, I encourage you to, just for the sake of an exercise, delve further and consider where there are other areas in your business that could be hindering your marketing efforts. In this upcoming chat with Hillary, I'll be diving into the nitty gritty of how she maintains such a consistent style in her jewelry photography. We'll cover everything from the amount of time she dedicates to taking pictures, her methods for keeping photos well organized, the equipment and software she relies on, and much more. 
So Hillary, I want to start out here because a lot of people have actually been asking me about your photography. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know. (laughs) We're going to have to ask (laughs) Hillary. So first, let's begin by... Are there any special tools or setups that you use? Because I think that's what most people are curious about, or at least the questions that I've got. Not really. Um, I'm pretty lucky in that my studio has a lot of really good lighting. I basically have two walls of almost floor to ceiling windows with like one of these old, you know, industrial buildings that has really tall windows. Um, So the lighting is really good. And then um, I just have this like stainless steel table um, that my tanks are underneath. And I sometimes use just for, I don't use it too much for work, but um, it just ends up being like a really good background. I feel like, cause it's just kind of uniform and a very like neutral color. Um, And then sometimes I'll use, like I have like letter and number stamps and I'll kind of use those as props to like put studs in or to maybe like hold rings I mean, sometimes I use that little like putty stuff to like hold things into place. Um, But not really. I don't use any lighting. And I just use my iPhone. Um, I mean, I think I've said in a previous podcast, I used to use a little like macro clip on the phone, Mm -hmm. but I don't use that now because the new iPhone doesn't really allow you to do that. And I actually don't think the camera on the new iPhone is is good honestly, as what you can get with like the old SE with the clip on. I'm kind of mm-hmm. frustrated with it, honestly, and it washes out the color gold. I don't know. I'm just not impressed with the new iPhone cameras as much. Um, at least not for jewelry. Um, but not really. I don't really use anything too special. I think it's really all about finding the right light. Yeah, it's so true. How about in terms of editing the pictures? Do you do any editing on them? And if so, what are you using to edit them? Yes. I mean, I would say almost every picture has a little bit of editing unless it's just like, you know, the right time of day and it's just totally perfect. Um, so I'll use the editing straight in the, the um, with the camera, with the photos app. The editing is actually really, really good on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I use, um, I adjust brilliance sometimes. I'll adjust the brightness and the contrast if needed. You know, I'll address saturation or warmth levels if needed. And then if I want to post something right away and I realize there's like a little like fiber or a piece of dust, you know, or something that's actually kind of noticeable for like people zooming in on Instagram. um, I use an app called Snapseed and um, it has all those, you know, color editing things. But really the only thing I use it for is they have a little healing tool where you can just like mm-hmm. zoom in really big and then just kind of touch it and it deletes that stuff like a you know fiber or a piece of dust and that's just kind of like if I take a picture of something and I'm really excited about it and I want to put it up on Instagram right away um, otherwise when I'm editing for my website if I can't really get things the way I want them to using the the actual just editing on the iPhone I just use a uh, Photoshop And again, it's just simple. It's usually just brightness or contrast, sometimes saturation. And then sometimes if I, like, I I don't, like I was saying that the new iPhone kind of washes the color gold out a bit, which is very frustrating. It almost makes it look silver sometimes. So there's the photo filter. I think it's just called photo filters. 
and they have different tones. And so they have some different like kind of warmth filters and that'll just kind of put a gold color back onto the, the piece. So I play around with that, but I, I don't, I don't actually really know what I'm doing besides just those. those little <laughs> things. In Photoshop, I, I'm not that great at it, but yeah. But you know how things you want things to look and that's important. <laughs> and you have to be careful. Like you can't saturate something to the point where it doesn't look like the actual stone anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you want, you don't want your customers to be getting something in the, you know, open up a package and be like, wait, what? This isn't, bright blue. So sometimes when I'm editing, I'll have the piece right there with me to just make sure I'm not going overboard, right? Because you don't want to misrepresent the piece. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So this sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) How much time are you actually spending every week on doing this? It's really hard to say because there's some weeks where I'm just like, I'm just working, you know, I'm just making jewelry and maybe I'm like taking some process shots um, and I'm just leaving the actual like photography for the, the next week when I know I'm getting ready to do like a product drop. Oh, gosh, I mean, hours, you know, especially if, you know, because I'm uploading everything to the site, all of that. So it, it does take it does take hours. Um, I feel like I used to get better shots that didn't need as much editing when I had the SE with the macro lens, honestly. So, yeah, anyone who's listening, I wouldn't get the new phone if you've been wanting to. <laughs> um, it's not even new anymore. It's just whatever the, like, three-lens iPhone is, you know. Um, but, yeah, it just really varies on on what I'm doing that week. Do you have any tips for keeping pictures organized? Because I know that's a challenge that a lot of people have. Yes. <laughs> so, I have, yeah, I have an external hard drive. Um And on there, I have just, you know, a series of folders and I organize my images by um, collection. So I'll do like captured, hand hammered, and then I'll have one that's just website updates. And so, and then, so under website updates, that's when I use the most. And so I'll do that by month. So like, you know, what was this collection drop? What were these? And then under those, under the website drops, I have different folders where I have like, I put like originals and that's where I just dump, you know, I get on my computer, I open up my iCloud photos tab. I try to figure out what all my favorites are. I download them all the external hard drive, pull all that back up, throw it all on Photoshop and then narrow it down even further from there. And then I'll have a folder that says like, uh, you know, edits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just have to make sure you're using the same naming convention so they actually all line up alphabetically and all that. And then for my white background photos, I'll have a separate background, a separate folder for whites, or I'll throw them in together. But anyway, and then under the um, under my captured and hand hammered folders, I have that organized by like necklace, earrings, whatever. Um, so I try to keep it really organized, but it's also um, it's hard with so much one of a kind because a lot of things have like similar names. And so, oh, and then after, I think once a year, once I have a new year, I'll take that website updates folder, go organize it back into the captured and the hand hammered folders. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a really good organized process. I know that 
sometimes designers or like solopreneurs, they'll have a system that makes sense to them. And then maybe they'll get to a certain point where they do hire like a social media assistant or a marketing consultant or something like that, a person who needs pictures. And it's just like a total (laughs) mess and really hard to like retroactively organize. So I always encourage people to try to like make a system as soon as they can. Make a system as soon as you can. And then the other nice thing is, Um, like if you use Shopify or something, there's some times where I don't have access to my external hard drive because I'm in my studio or, or whatever it is, you can just go into the Shopify app, just download and copy that picture that you've already edited. You've already decided that's the picture you want to use. And then just download that back onto your phone and it'll show up in like as the most recent picture. And then you can just get to that more easily. So there's a lot of times where I just am downloading pictures from my website whenever I need it for something like that. It's a good tip and one I use as well. If I don't want to bug yeah. a client for something, you can just download the picture directly from Shopify. So that's a really good tip too. So it does sound like, I mean, you probably have a lot of like outtakes or pictures that don't make the cut. Would you say that's true? Uh, yeah, I would say that, um, and don't tell my don't tell my son this, but <laughs> I have probably like, 75% more photos of jewelry <laughs> on my phone than I do of my son. Um, <laughs> I have so many jewelry photos. It's completely ridiculous. Um, I think just because the lighting is lighting is tricky and you have to like move the piece around and, you know, keep getting what's the best light and jewelry is hard to photograph, you know? Um, so yeah, I have, Oh God. I have too many pictures of jewelry on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So how do you choose from those which ones you think will perform best on social media? How do you filter from there? Yeah, so I mean, thank goodness for the little favorites heart, right? In the photos app. Gosh, so it's like either in my studio, if I have time to do it right then, or like sometimes in the evening, I'm just like, you know, sitting on the couch, I'll be like, okay, I took a bunch of pictures today. What are the favorites? Um, And then another thing that I'll do is I'll go into the editing on that and I'll put it into the square. I'll edit it um, the size to an actual square and I'll see which ones look best in the square. Mm -hmm. And there's also stories, right? So then you have to be like, okay, which one's going to look best in stories? So um, I think. I think with Instagram, and it's the same ones I'll choose for my website. It's just the one that really represents the color the best. The one that just has it just be like more like how, you know, like it needs to really just like take someone's attention right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where I really think just like a very simple background helps. Just you just want to show off the jewelry. Um, Although I've been... I've been following Hemmerly for a very long time. They're one of my favorite designers and or design houses, I suppose. And then I've been doing a little bit of a deep dive on their Instagram lately. And I actually totally love the way they use backgrounds. Hmm. They use lots of different backgrounds and it just looks great. Um, so, you know, I would say, you know, the, the jewelry Instagram uh, profiles that you like the best, just, just kind of see what, what they're doing. See what what works best. Like, I think I kind of was inspired at first by, like, August LA. You know, just mm-hmm. how simple their Instagram is. Um, coming up with backgrounds is 
art. It's tricky. And so for me, it's just work to just whatever simple is best. I've seen a lot of designers start to use AI backgrounds. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that at all. Sometimes it's hard to tell oh. on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I haven't but, even thought of that. Like, what, what, are the, what are the backgrounds? Um, I've played around with it a little bit myself and it looks better and more realistic when it's just more simple, like say like a wooden countertop or like something very neutral. I started playing around with like, all right, let's do like a Halloween themed one where there's like a pumpkin or like some like Halloween flowers and they look a little bit off. Like there's something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's something not quite right about them. I think, you know, if you were just scrolling on Instagram, you might not even notice something like that. But when you have the image up and you're looking at it, you're like, okay, I can tell this is like an AI picture. But I do think that technology is going to get better really fast. So that could potentially be an option for you. (laughs) That's really interesting. I didn't even think of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's cool. If you want to change it up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So and then sorry, with the pictures, do you have like a different system when it comes to choosing and teasing pictures for upcoming drops? So yes. So for drops, what's going to be on my website is I try to I try to put on as up as many photos as I can, because people, you know, they're just like trusting, they're going to buy an expensive piece of jewelry from photographs. It's amazing. And you can put videos now on, on Shopify too. Um, Mm -hmm. So for that, I just try to take pictures from as many angles as possible. Um, Kind of giving like an all the way around, especially if it's a ring. Um, But I just, yeah, I just try to give people as good of a view and as many pictures as possible to really get like the full feel of, of what they're going to be getting. So of course there are always gems like opals that are just hard, really hard to photograph, even for like a jewelry photo photography pro. Do you have Mm -hmm. any tips or like, how do you handle those kind of gems? Man, that is so hard sometimes. (laughs) Well, with opals, I feel like you have to have, well, okay. So like my orbs, you know, they're, they're kind of see-through. So those have to be shot on a, with dark in the background for the most part. I mean, it's just, it's just different. Like this is why I have so many photos on my phone, right? Because mm-hmm. you just sit there and you're like, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Um, you know, it also depends on the time of day, like especially this time of year, the sun is lower. And so it's more direct light coming straight in my studio. So I can't really take pictures until later in the day when the sun has gone like behind the building and there's no more direct light. And that's when I find I get like the best pictures Mm -hmm. when there's too much sun, even with like my curtains, even with like the white curtains I have that diffuses the light. If there's too much sun, I just feel like something weird happens unless you've got that, like a tourmaline, like if it's a tourmaline and it's, you know, the stone is just facing the light the right way, then it's like, that's exactly what you want. Right. So I guess it really depends on the stone. And then glares are really hard. Like sometimes I'll edit out glares in Photoshop just because, you know, my windows, there's like, you know, the whole structure of the window and everything else looks great. So it's, who knows? I have no idea if I'm being efficient with this whatsoever. (laughs) I, I have no clue. I'm wasting my time. I don't know. Um, but 
it really like the light is just the light's critical. I, I, I feel so lucky that I have this good light in my studio. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this good light in my studio. It also just sounds like listening to you talk that you've spent so much time playing with it. Like, you know, okay, the tourmaline needs like this kind of light and the opal needs this Mm -hmm. kind of light. And those are things, unfortunately, to people listening, that's just something you kind of have to learn through trial and Mm -hmm. error based on the kinds of things that you sell. Because maybe Hillary's jewelry photographs differently than like so-and-so's jewelry, you know? And so you either work with a photographer who can figure that out for you, or you kind of have to just play a little bit. Yeah. And like you, you know, cropping in tight also helps because then you, you kind of reduce the noise of like, you know, like the wall behind my steel table is just like a cement wall that's been painted white. There's Mm -hmm. like nothing special about it. It, it doesn't look great. But, you know, it's blurry enough in the background and I can crop in close enough to where like, you just don't notice that that's there. So like, you kind of also have to just like, don't be precious about it. You're going to drive yourself completely crazy if you try to be too precious about this. Are there any other tips you want to share or things we didn't talk about that you think might be interesting? Well, white white background photography is like the most difficult in my mind. (laughs) Um, I've used... I've used light boxes and they tend to make things look weird. And now I'm using just like a white piece of paper, like rolled up on the windows and taped up and I'm just using natural light for a lot of the back white background photos now. But gosh, that to me is like the worst. And um, I would love to just like hire someone to do all that for me and do all the editing, but mm-hmm. it's, it's too much when you have regular drops. Um, I mean, I guess I would say that if you're doing like how I do it, where you're doing regular drops, it's kind of too much to hire a photographer. To, to, it's too much to manage. I tried that for a while and it's just like an extra bit of management that I had to do. So I was like, Ugh, I'll just do this myself. But if you have pieces that it's more like production jewelry, you probably want to invest in just sending those off to a photographer and just don't even mess with it. Um, but the way my business is structured, I just, I don't have the, the bandwidth and the time to, to do that stuff. Yeah. And there's so much turnaround and like new pieces really regularly. So I can, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks Hillary. I hope this addressed some curiosities and questions that people had about your photography. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I'm always happy to answer questions. If people want to send me a DM on Instagram or shoot me an email from my website, um, I'm happy to share. Awesome. Thank you. What did you think about the interview? Are you excited to follow Hillary on this journey? I highly encourage you to check out Hillary's website, hillaryfink.com and follow her on Instagram at hillaryfinkjewelry. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Let me know in a podcast review or YouTube comment what you think. All right, let's get into the gold mine. This is a segment where I get personal and share insights on entrepreneurship, mindset, success, growth, all things business. And it really allows me to share topics close to my heart. So today, I guess this is building on the on the topic of consistency, but I want to discuss steering clear of anxiety-driven decisions in your business. And this is a really common pitfall that I, for some reason, noticed during this time of year. There are 
people out there in this industry making decisions in a flurry of panic because they know Q4 is important. They're already worried. Oh, I'm not meeting my sales numbers. What's going on? They start panicking. But when you are making decisions in this flurry of panic, those decisions don't usually carry the strategic weight or thoughtfulness of those that you might make when you are calm and being intentional. And from what I see, these rushed decisions can really lead to errors that could be avoidable and departures from what could be a successful and consistent strategy. So let me share a personal note. I can be very anxious, especially back in the early days of my business when I wasn't familiar with like the seasonal rhythms, the patterns with customer habits, and I didn't know that everything kind of happens again. There's nothing really like new and you start to realize that once you're in business longer and longer, but when everything feels kind of new to you and you don't have a track record, you do get anxiety because you don't know what to expect. You do worry at the last minute that you're like doing the wrong thing or you could be doing something better. And even when you do have experience and you've been in business for years, of course you have anxiety especially when your business is your main source of income. There's a lot of stake in that. It can be unnerving and it matters a lot. I get that. But you have to remember when you're like feeling those feelings and if you can be self-aware about them, then think that actually anxiety can lower the quality of your decisions. It pushes you to act out of fear and scarcity rather than confidence and optimism. Of course, it's super tough to keep faith when you're just drowning in worry, but there's nothing positive that can come from having a mindset of anxiety. Many jewelry business owners are clinging to this idea of Q4 having like a supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to be. But even if you are like the best planner, you are executing your marketing immaculately, there are so many factors like competition, economic shifts, all these things can throw you curveballs and you cannot control every potential thing that can affect your business. And so if you are one of those that feel anxious, and if you're not Wow, I want to be you. (laughs) If you're an anxious person, it is so important to have a sounding board, someone you trust that you can share your concerns with because your feelings, of course, they are valid. But there's often a reality out there that can like counter your feelings or that you can put trust in or you can just understand better what's going on and have a clearer perspective if you step back and consider things not from that place of the fear-charged mindset. But it's also important to share constructively. So if you're going to work with like a trusted mentor or partner, try not to like offload 
your unchecked emotions, but take time first to process them yourself. That means maybe you are journaling, or if journaling's not your thing, just sit quietly, go for a walk. Try to like step back a little bit from that anxiety and see, well, what's the worst that can happen? What am I really worried about here? And is there some perspective I can bring to the way that I'm feeling? As I've repeated in this episode, and the main reason why I'm talking about this is because this is not the time to make anxious, impulsive decisions driven by your unexamined emotions because you have business smarts and you don't want to cloud those business smarts through like the foggy lens of anxiety, which is just not going to drive you in the right direction. And I'm saying this because I see it so much. So I don't want you to have that experience. What do you think about that? Let me know in an Instagram DM podcast review or YouTube comment. Did you have any question about today's episode? You can always email me Larissa. That's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com slash book for more information.